Okay, yeah, it's actually really good. You must, yeah, you must try and do it as well. Um, just get an opportunity to get up here. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about the inability to make decisions, how it impacts our life. It's really a topic that uh, resonates with me, and and yeah, I'm just really glad, and it's such a great opportunity to be talking about something like this. Okay, looks like the slides on there. Ah, okay. Okay, maybe, I hope you guys didn't see the next slide. Okay, so I'm, I'm a chartered accountant, and I do love facts, and I do love numbers. Um, so I'll start off with a question. Um, just in general, what do you guys think? How many decisions do adults make per day? 20,000. Okay, that's quite a lot. Anybody else? 5,000. 50,000. Okay, so, and, and then children? Might be a little bit less. Or more, depending on. <laughs> okay, so let's let's look. So actually, and well, this is based on a few studies that they did. Um, an average adult makes about thirty-five thousand decisions per day. Um, that is a lot. It's almost one thousand five hundred per hour. So within this service, about three thousand. Um, so it actually just shows us how big thing decision making is. And it really, it's not something that you can get away of. We all have to make decisions. Um, and it's really something that philosophers have talked about. Lots of people have written books on it. Um, and it's something that we all have to consider. So, yeah, my story. I, I just saw this slide and I thought, thought it's quite funny. Um, yeah, I've, I've made a lot of poor decisions. Uh, not necessarily that one, but others in, in, in my life. And this is how I come to my... Yeah, so, so my story is actually... It's a different topic, but um, I love sport. Like, since I was three years old or, like, very small, I, before I almost could, or before I could actually walk, I wanted to kick a ball. So I was just kicking balls, and, like, sport, it just, it came naturally. But then the, sometimes with a lot of sportsmen, the other side of it is, like, something like dancing. Like, that just didn't come naturally. And it's so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. And so what happened is, in grade 8 or grade 9, then we had our first dance, and we had to soki, and I was just petrified, like, I was so scared, I was there, I was a really small, small guy, um, with, like, these jeans that don't really fit, I've got a, I think it was a white belt or something, but it, like, they, like, we had to make, my mom had to make an extra hole to actually, for me to, like, so that it actually could sit on me, and um, to keep up my, my jeans, um, I know the first pair of jeans I had, we had to do it dance or something in primary school and the jeans just kept on falling off so I was just pulling up every single time I couldn't actually dance I, that probably it, it didn't help with having a fear of, uh, of, of dancing or, or just getting out there and enjoying yourself so what I realized is every, every, every year with the, with the soki that we had I was just too scared to actually even engage like I wasn't I didn't even want to try it out because I, I just had this fear like what if I step on the girl's toe. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I never actually got a chance to enjoy myself. So this went on and on. After my trick, uh, high school finished, I still had this fear of dancing. And then only in my third year did I realize that, like, nobody actually cares if I step onto the dance floor and dance. It's, it's not about me. It's not about actually going there and everybody looks at you and this is this big thing. It's actually, if, if I want to try and, and just enjoy myself and dance and get to know more people, 
it is a decision that I have to make. And I just have to, like, overcome that fear of all the insecurities, all the things that could go wrong, and I must just get out there and, and try. The only thing, the worst thing that can happen is I'm in the same position where I would have been if I didn't try. Um, and then at least I've gained experience, um, and maybe I can succeed. Maybe I can start to learn, and I can maybe get, get like, be able to soki or ask somebody to soki. And, and so when I, when I started to think about those decisions, um, I realized the next thing. So I realized that not making a decision, not taking action is already a guaranteed failure. Making a well-defined decision, taking action, can only lead to experience, learning from our mistakes, or you might just succeed. It isn't actually making the decision, whatever that thing is that you're struggling to actually make a decision on, it, you, you won't be worse off while just engaging and taking action. And this led to other areas of my life that I realized, look, I'm also not making decisions. I'm actually letting life happen to me, and I'm not taking control of the decisions that I'm supposed to make. It's in, in work life, it's in, based, it's in relationships, and all these different areas of my life. But it actually started with something as simple as dancing. So they did a study on, and it made me, th it made me think, like, why do I have this fear? What is, what is the things that keep me away from making these decisions? And they, and they did two studies in America. The one was a, a pension fund where what they did is, if an employer, um, he, he, he like, he'll give you, or when, when you work for the company, then you can make a contribution in terms of your pension fund, and then he'll just match your contribution. So you'll give 100 rand per month, and then he'll match it. He'll give you additional 100 rand per month. Um, but for you to do it, you have to decide on what option, what package are you going to choose, what pension fund are you actually going to invest in. And what they found is for every 10 extra options that the employer gave you, 2% less employees actually took the benefit. So it led to, it's, it's, it's actually crazy to think about it, but people neglected to get an additional 60,000 rand per year because they were so overwhelmed by the amount of different options that they had. They kept on postponing it, and they never actually made a decision. That, that, that inability for us to actually make a decision because we're so afraid of making a wrong decision that it is, at the end of the day, we're losing out. We are making the incorrect decision by not making the decision. Another study they did was on, it was jam in a grocery store. It's a little bit different, but they, they had two types of, of, it was like a booth. The one booth only had six different types of jam, and the other one had 24 different types of jam in different stores. And what they found afterwards is more people actually looked at the store with the 24 different options, but they never actually went and bought one because it just, it was overwhelming. They just thought, well, maybe next time I'm, I'll engage and I'll actually buy something. The alternatives were too good. They couldn't make a decision. And what they found with the only six giving six options, six times more people, the, the sales were six times higher than with the 24 options, which is actually incredible to think that way. But that is also how we are designed. We, we struggle to make decisions if we've got too many options. We have to narrow it down to just a few. Um, so, so it leads to the paradox of choices. We, we sometimes think or we do know that if we have more freedom, then it means we'll probably have, we can do whatever we want. We've got more choices. But it's not necessary that having more choices will give us more freedom. The, the thinking behind it is there's a little meme or something that they said um, everything was better 
back when everything was worse. And it's, it's, it was just funny when I, when I read it. And I realized, like, maybe 20, 30 years ago, life was simpler. Or even 50, 60 years ago, you knew what you probably the, the options of what you had to, what, what you could become one day. You had one little town and you were either the barber, you were either the teacher, you were either, like, your options was limited. So the decision-making process was so much easier. It was less stress. Like, like Wesley said, there was less stress, less options. Today, we are, we've got this freedom of choice. We've got all these options, but it actually increases our stress. It makes it more difficult to make decisions. Barack Obama said, he actually said he wants to limit his amount of decisions that, he's make, that, he, that he has to make, and he wants to focus on a big decision. So he limited himself to just wearing two types of um, blazers. I think it was only a, a navy one and a black suit. Or it was just two types. So every single day, he just wanted to limit his decisions. So he just decided, I don't want to stress about what I have to wear. I'm just going to limit it to two. And, and it was actually funny that a president of the biggest, com- uh, of the biggest country doesn't want to decide on what to wear because he just wants to limit it so that he can actually focus on the decisions that's more important. So the, the second thing that I found, and it's based on my experience with, with dancing, is that I was so afraid to make a decision, but did I actually know what I was afraid, like why I was afraid? For example, in the, in the dancing, I, I was afraid to, to actually get out there and engage and ask a girl just to go for a sookie or maybe just get out there and ask somebody to just teach me to sookie. But did I actually think about it? Did I write it down? No, I didn't. What Tim Ferriss found is that sometimes our inability to make decisions is because we cannot actually classify and put down what is the worst case scenario. If we actually can see what is the worst thing that can happen, if you can write it down and then it is much easier to make good decisions, to, to make decisions that take us out of our comfort zone, but that will eventually, that where the upside is much bigger. Um, I've, yeah, so this is something that he actually he said, instead of setting your goals, you, you can set your fears or have a fear setting to determine what is the worst thing that can happen if I do make this decision. Um, and I kind of like it. I think it's actually a good way of looking at it. Um, so we can, in, in a light of what's going on in the world now with the Soccer World Cup, we can take that as an example. We can take another example as well. But let's say, for example, um, now the next game or maybe the final, it ends up being, it might end up being a penalty shootout. So... In a penalty shootout, I think for me personally, I also play soccer and taking a penalty is like one of the, it's really, it's a fearful experience. Um, Because you know your whole team is actually relying on you scoring. It's it's literally the difference between winning a game and losing a game. So if we wanted to define what is the worst thing that could happen, the worst thing that could happen is I'm going to kick the ball and it's going to go over the bar. I'm going to miss it and we're going to lose out on a World Cup final probably will 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 mess up or i'm going to mess up the whole world will know that i missed this penalty now that is that is like extreme that is really bad um and they'll probably play it a thousand million times and they'll every single t- on the on the front of a newspaper it'll say france missed penalty in the world cup he cost south africa again not south africa he cost i uh, like i like france okay he cost france the world cup um 
Okay, that's, that's the worst thing that could happen. But has it happened before? Yes, it has happened before. It has happened with the best players in the world. Both Ronaldo and Messi, the two best players in the world, they're not even in the final. Like, they already lost yesterday. So both their teams, they're out. They're the best players, arguably one of the best or two of the best players ever to play soccer. And they're already out. The second thing that we can write down is prevent. How do I prevent that from happening? Yes, if I know I'm going to be in the final, I'm going to practice my, my penalties. I'm going to practice it a lot. The more I practice, the better I might get. It's something that um, Gary Player said, a golfer, and, and, and it is also it is actually something that you can do. Um, something else, repair. Okay, so th- that one, it's quite difficult to repair if you've already lost the World Cup. But like you can actually look at some of the other players. Some of the guys who has lost, who has missed penalties in some of the biggest um, competitions, they actually gain experience, and next time they're better off. People actually, other players rely on these guys in terms of leadership because they've already gone through it. They know what it feels like, and they've learned from it. They've gained from the ex- they've gained experience from their failures, and that's something that we can do. And if we can, we can repair. We can say sorry if we've made a mistake. We can just learn from it. We can try and engage in a different way. There's always a way of doing it. The second part of what it is, so we can almost classify it in terms of three pages. Part one, first page, actually define it, like well-defined. Part two, make a list of the possible benefits. So in terms of the soccer, yes, if I practice well, if, if I study what, what's going on and what I should do, some of the basic principles of keeping my head down, actually just looking at the ball, then and not being overwhelmed by the occasion and everything, then... The upside of it is, is, yes, I am the hero, or I'll be one of the heroes of the World Cup, and I might be a very integral part in us winning the World Cup. And that is, the upside is much greater than the downside. Um, and then the, the third part is actually the cost of inaction. In other words, if I avoid doing this, what might I miss out on? Um, that might be short-term, long-term, and you can define it into different areas of your life, but in essence, what also can happen is there are only five players that do take penalties. And you can either decide within a team, if you know you are a striker or you are somebody that is supposed to take the penalty, you can actually take the responsibility and say, I am going to step up and I'm be willing to take this opportunity and to put it on the line for my team. But I know it's also in the, it's actually, it's the best thing for me personally and it's also best for my team. That can be in a family setting. That can be in your work life. But I'm going to step up to the opportunity and put up my hand to say who's going to take these penalties. I'm going to say, I've practiced, and I'm going to take this opportunity. And yes, I might fail, but I'm going to take this opportunity because I know that I am good enough to actually do this, and I want to gain experience, and I want to take our team and win the World Cup. You can break it down into shorter periods, into longer periods. Um, and what this actually does is it, it just helps us to overcome that fear. That, over, that fear that, that I experience from being too afraid to step out on the dance floor, it is something so small and insignificant in, for, for a lot of people. But for me, that was one of the fears that I had to overcome. It's something that I had to think about and actually say, look, this is, this is not something that is just... For me, this was, it was a big thing. It was a big way of just starting to get out there and not always take the comfort zone, but to be able to step out and actually gain experience and to enjoy myself. So I'm going to end off with the last slide. 
and I'm going to end off with another story. Um, so this, the middle one says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Um, that actually resonates with you. It's another quote from Tony Robbins that says, there's your decisions and not your conditions that determine your destiny. They both actually address the same thing. Sometimes we are in a certain condition or like we are in a scenario, in a situation. And we don't necessarily know why we are in this situation, but we've got a decision to make. We make about 35,000 decisions each day. And a lot of those decisions are just mandatory decisions. Determining what am I going to eat for breakfast? Am I going to come to church? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? But making sure that we know and know how to address the bigger decision in life is really important. And to make sure that we're not neglecting some decisions because we've got some fear. So the t-shirt I'm wearing today is actually in memory of one of my friends. Um, we went on a mission trip in, in my third year in varsity a few years ago. Um, and he literally, he lived his life in abundance. He was still young. He was probably 25. And he was, um, and like we, were, we went to Namibia for a, a men's camp. And we shared, I, like I only got to know him there. But I could see from the way he lives, he lives in abundance. He knew what his calling was. He was, he was a farmer on almost close to Botswana. And he started a church for, for his farm workers. And he was only 25 or something like that. He, he was living a life of abundance. Like he, he mentored a lot of people around him. And he was just so passionate about the things that he believed in. Unfortunately, he, he, and he was also he was about to get married. He was just before his before he was going to get married. Um, very similar to where I'm standing now at the moment. I'm getting married in five to six weeks' time. So, yeah, very excited about it. But, like, things can happen. And, and what happened is he was on his way from, from Botswana, from his farm, to come and visit his fiancée in, 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 in Stellenbosch. And, and he was in a car accident, and he died. And so that really st- stuck. It, it struck me, because this is somebody that... the almost just a, a less than six months ago we were talking about like life and we were talking about his marriage and we were talking about all these things and now he's just it's his life is over he's he's, he's lived his life but it's it's over it's done and and what i realized is for me personally my indecision to actually live out my calling to do the things that i was made to do and to postpone it is not worth it in the end. My dad's a pastor, and he says he actually he's got a very big church, and there are lots of people each week that he needs to um, address, and that um, and on the on 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 the in when he visits them in the hospital, he realizes that it's one thing that every single person says to them. If he he spends a lot of time with people with their last like literally their last words, and every single time. They tell him, I wish I could have spent more time with my family. They never, tell, they, they never tell him, I wish I was longer at work, I did this or that. They actually always tell him, I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I spent more time with, with God. And those are the two things that they keep on telling him. So I'm ending off with my question, and it's really, it's just a simple question. It's, what is the thing that you're afraid of actually making the right decision because there's an inability to make decisions in your life. And what is the impact of that going to be? Thank you.
So good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a cold winter's day, nice and wet, and I'm just waiting for the PowerPoint to start running. <laughs> Here we go. So <clears throat> what I'm talking about correlates very much to what Francho was talking about, and specifically in relation to your work. I mean, most of us here are professionals. We've got a certain uh, goal that we need to reach in your, in your working setup, and, and uh, I'm going to try and share a bit out of my personal experience like uh, and give you a, lo- a novel idea or novel, novel technique what you can use and, and trying to reach that, that point. I mean, we all sit <coughs> sometimes in traffic here in southern suburbs. It's crazy, but here in uh, Los Angeles, they've got these terrible, terrible roads. And you just don't know where to go. And it feels like life is some, sometimes like that. So a bit more for myself, I'm, <clears throat> I'm married to Leanne there in the back, I've got a boy and we like spending time together, we also like going for beers after church, you can see the sign there, the view from the bar, but I also work as a doctor and I'm currently a trainee in orthopedic surgery and uh, I started off here in, in East London in Frey Hospital where, where I feel quite passionate about what we're doing there. And I'm currently working at uh, all these other hospitals in, uh, in, in Cape Town. And when, when I was given the opportunity to give this talk, I thought, yes, like, uh, what am I really passionate about? I, I think I might have misunderstood the topic initially. And it was talk about something that you're passionate. And, and I thought I'm, I'm really actually passionate about the total hip replacement, which is the operation of the century. And at this this meeting that was held, uh, it's, it, it was voted as the operation of the century, um, o- above cesarean sections, above everything. So I thought I'll I'll just quickly give you a bit of an overview what a total hip replacement is. It's basically you have an arthritic hip that's quite painful. You put a piece of metal and um, plastic inside, and then you end up with a new hip. I also thought I can explain to you how how an engineered piece of plastic and um, a highly, highly engineered um, piece of, two pieces of uh, titanium changed the way we think and do things and how it changed people's lives. I also thought, like, maybe I can tell you about all the scientific ways how we put a piece of art um, and combine science with it and use computer technology to to really prepare, and I I hope this projects well, but really to prepare how, what to do and when to do it. But what I really feel passionate about is, oh, that's brilliant, is while, while I was working in, e- in East London, I saw all these, all these old ladies that, are, that was operated on, like the, the females, the grannies of, of communities, ladies that are looking after orphaned grandchildren and keeping their communities together. Now, how their lives really changed due because of just one simple operation that they that they're able to, to walk and look after their communities. And um, I, I, this, all of this made me think, like, how did I really get to think that this is, I'm, I'm so passionate about this? And that's what I'm going to share with you. So, I mean, as a medical student, you often feel like, oh, everyone else is doing the fun stuff and you're just sitting and studying. And um, I think in a few years, most of us who are working, you, you might feel that, Maybe you sitting there and everyone else is having, having this joyous time. You're just over coffee and, and drinking and tired. And, and the question is, how do you get these moments, the life moments that you share on a daily basis with friends, family, and people like those, um, epiphany, 
moments? Like, how do you how do you share those moments and make it more common in your life? So, this is a this is a quote from the Bible, and if you're a Christian, you you would probably enjoy this. If you're not, I would recommend that you speak to someone who is, and and they will actually share it with you as well. But it's usually the still small voice, the the gentle whisper that you experience. It's not these loud voices that say go in this direction or go in that direction. It's a still a still whisper. It's not a fire. It's not an earthquake. And um, we we need to tune ourselves into to hearing that still small voice, the whisper, better. And the way I do it, I make lists. So this is quite a personal list that I'm sharing here, and uh, don't laugh too much at it. But whenever I'm in, an, whenever I do something that I really enjoy, where I feel I could be doing this for a long time, or yo, I really enjoy doing this, I jot it down. And these are very nerd things. Some of them are funny things but when when i when i stand at a decision again i would go back to this list and say did i really enjoy doing would i really enjoy doing this so i would be asked oh sean do you want to present or, or do a talk at the TED talk at church and i would go back to my list and i would see mm, i actually enjoy giving talks so then i would say yes i would do it if it wasn't on my list i would have said no and the the purpose of that little small list is just defining the moments where where God is like saying something to you in a very simple way and very simplistically. And it's, it's not a, a voice out of heaven that comes. It's just like you feel you are lining up to where you're supposed to be to what you should be doing. Kind of like looking at this road, most of the time you don't go and make a 90 degree turn. It's the easy, gentle, the, the gentle whisper that just guides you into a, into a specific direction. The other thing is mentors, mentors and, and mentorship is quite important because despite being on the road and traveling the right way, and I'm, I'm relating this specifically to your job and to your career and to your work, it's like, how do you go in the, direct, in the correct direction? You've got people that may be Christian, but maybe not. These two are two mentors, two professors of mine that, that I spend time with, and, and we meet up on a, on a monthly basis. We chat about life, and I say, yeah, I just... I just feel so overwhelmed with not being able to spend time with anyone and just my books or my work. Um, and they say, well, Sean, you know, it, it gets better. It's, it's actually just hang in there. They give, us some, give me some tips. So what, what I'm saying is most of the time, God and not speak. 99% of the time, God and not speak out of this loud voice out of heaven. It's a gentle whisper. To make that gentle whisper more practical in life is jot it down. And I really, that, that list that I showed you is, I think I started making it when I was a student already. And you just always, I, I actually lost the original one, so I had to update it again. But um, just start jotting down that moment that you experience that you really enjoy doing. And then find yourself a mentor. And that's it. <laughs>